welcome to shruti outland hello hi hi how are you i am good how are you i am doing so well so your saturday has just started and how was your entire week wow my week was good you know i was been really busy doing a lot of work um you know with the pandemic situation going on our business needs for where i work i'm currently a university counselor and advisor um mm-hmm. and i lead emotional intelligence training so there's been an increase of needs for our business at the moment um and so i've been just working 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 i'm actually on the clock today as well so i'm working oh, wow. from home <laughs> yeah so it it doesn't stop but it's okay i'm i'm honored to be able to be in a position where i can help so many people right absolutely so um how many hours would you say that you know you are still sort of investing in all of this work and all So, you know, a lot of what I do at my job at the university and a lot of what I do in my business, they do overlap with each other. It's all with mm-hmm. improving mental health, counseling, advising and coaching, and then of course there's the emotional intelligence aspect of it. So, anywhere honestly just from my work, um my corporate job, I would say I'm working about 50-55 hours a week and oh, then wow. a, an additional, you know, 20-25 hours just for my uh my business that I just started. for the empathy queen emotional intelligence coach program that i have going on so right. about like 60 to 80 hours a week it's it's intense and i don't really have a day off but this is what i'm passionate about you know i'm very 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 passionate about being in the service of you know others and being in the business of changing lives so i i really enjoy what i do absolutely absolutely so you know before uh, uh you know taking this conversation ahead first of all i would like to really thank you for agreeing to be a part of shruti out loud and you know for agreeing to have this discussion to uh take this discussion to a lot of people to create awareness to let people know what emotional intelligence actually is so yes. empathy queen thank you thank you for agreeing to be a part of this thank you so much for having me thank you so much for having me i'm very honored and humbled that you know i was asked about this and asked to do this so thank you so much for giving me this opportunity i am so glad that you know the way it has worked out and the live session with you on instagram was absolutely amazing i loved every bit of it you know i got to even i i got to learn so much from that conversation and i was literally you know thinking about so many things that we talked about Aww. that day and i'm <laughs> and i'm so glad that you know this is sort of the extended version of that conversation yeah so of course absolutely i'm all you know i'm all about education as an educator myself i'm all about knowledge you know knowledge really is power and the best way to approach that is knowing that everyone you meet every single person no matter who they are regardless of their age regardless of their background there is something that you can learn from them and you know that's part of what my message is conveying is that there's so much to learn and understand that if we really just take the time to develop that curiosity to understand rather than judge we can really succeed in so many aspects of our lives and that's what really emotional intelligence is is to seek to understand the cause of people's behaviors and to understand our own behaviors you know without having that awareness it's un- you're unable to understand others and your peers and so it's very very important 
to always, you know, seek to know. And I, I, I noticed that in you, you know, you were so, so genuine and really wanting to increase your knowledge and understand and learn from your peers. And that's a very, very high quality of emotional intelligence yourself, Shruti, you know, the fact that you're so open-minded and you're seeking to understand, you're seeking to grow and develop that knowledge is a sign of personal development. So I'm proud of you. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, uh, while talking about this, I realized that this is one of the quality, like, you know, being humble about the fact that you are not a know-it-all. And, you know, there is so much out there to learn. And do you think, you know, that this quality is missing in a lot of people? The humility to learn, the humility to accept that, no, you don't know it all. And there's always a scope to learn more, to grow more and to, you know, know about so many more things out there, which is like, you know, it's, it's out there. So would you agree with that? Absolutely. 100, 100%. A lot of times what we don't realize is that our own ego and our own pride is what gets in the way of us and our, and that's what develops ignorance, you know, the ignorance that, oh, no. I don't need to be told this. Every every single person, no matter how old they are, they need to be able to accept that criticism in a way where it's constructive and it's feedback. You know, you think of it as, you know, let's say somebody's telling you, hey, this is how you can improve yourself or, hey, you do something and this is not great. You can learn about it instead of getting upset and understanding why this person is saying something. If you develop the mindset where everything that is being said to you is is feedback and it's not criticism, it's just feedback. And then it's up to you how you want to take it. But you need to develop that for you to get to that mindset you need to have an open mind, you need to be accepting, and you need to have that, that curiosity that you are always going to learn something from those around you. So I completely agree with you 100%. Right, right. You know, I completely picked it up from the conversation that you were having. And I just it just came to my mind that, you know, maybe yes, this is uh, one of the traits that is required to grow being humble yes right okay so yes absolutely so yeah so you know let's take this conversation ahead with your story Mm -hmm. like who are Mm -hmm. you and you know who is empathy queen and how did it all start absolutely absolutely you know i this is actually the first time i'm going live and really speaking about my story. I know I've had a couple of posts on my journey, but I'm so thankful for this opportunity that you are giving me to really share who I am, what my story is. And so I would like to begin by saying my name is Tarmim and Uh I am known as Empathy Queen. And the reason why I chose the title Empathy Queen for, for my brand is because the EQ develops the emotional intelligence. So the EQ resembles the emotional quotient in emotional intelligence. And empathy is a very key factor in emotional intelligence. So I am an empath in every sense of the word. And what it means to be an empath is that you not only can understand and empathize and really feel the emotions of yourself, you have a good understanding of the emotions that you have and those around you. So that's what empathy really means is to be able to know what that person needs in that time that they're feeling such 
Im intense emotion, whether that's sadness or grief, and you are able to understand what they need in that moment and provide them guidance to that relief or hold space for them in order to find that relief. And so I said to myself, you know, empathy is a huge core quality in emotional intelligence. And I have been misunderstood my whole entire life because I didn't realize that I was an empath until much later in life, which really explained everything about why I was the way I was and the situations that I've experienced throughout my life. Now, from a okay. very, very young age, you know, I grew up, I do want to talk about myself a little bit here to explain why I'm so passionate about what I do. I really have devoted my life to mental health. I've devoted my life to being in the service of guiding others and helping them, you know, transform their messes into messages and blossoming from their battles. And so when I was very young, I, you know, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. I was born mm -hmm. and raised in the States. My parents are both from Bangladesh in South Asia. And, you know, they came here and they had my sister. They had me. However, after a couple of years, when I was about eight or nine years old, things had started to get pretty bad with my family. You know, my parents were not getting along. And then more so, it was really even worse because, you know, being of South Asian they see culture. It's very, very rare for families to go through divorces. And right. for, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's like unspoken, it's unsaid. And especially the notion of a woman leaving her husband is just something that has never been heard of. And so right. I, you know, from a young age, when I saw things were getting pretty bad with my parents, I, my mom has always been a very, very strong woman. And the women in my family are, have all been role models to me and they've been a testament to the strength that, you know, I try to embody as well because my mother is my hero. She's the one person who has been through so much in life and her faith is and her resilience is just unwavering. And I think that's where I get a lot of my strength from is seeing what wow. she's overcome as a woman, seeing what she's been through, raising two daughters on her own. And still mm -hmm. making a living out of it, despite what the society and the community and the backlash that we received from it was, you know, by mm -hmm. the age of 12, you know, from eight, from when I, I remember when I was eight, things were getting pretty bad with the family. And then by the okay. time I was 12 years old, my parents went through a very, very nasty divorce. Now, right. this um, divorce spiraled a lot of backlash from our community. You know, I did grow up in a small knit community where the majority mm -hmm. were of a certain of a certain region where, you know, they, it's, it's, it was a judgmental community. I would like to say, um, I don't know anybody hearing this will not be happy with what I'm saying, but I've always promised to say that I will always be very honest and real about my journey and I will right. always speak my truth. Um, so I did grow up in a very small minded community where when the divorce happened, you know, people even told my mom that the notion of a woman leaving her home, leaving mm -hmm. her husband could never be accepted. That's, you know, she's going to ruin her daughter's lives. People told my mother oh. and I that, that, you know, your daughters are never going to amount to anything because you went through a divorce. They're going to be failures. They're never going to accomplish anything. They're never going to succeed. And oh, the backlash. Okay. Yeah. And this was from all of our, from our, our community at the time. And it was just so, so heartbreaking to see that. But at the same time, it was expected considering what a taboo topic divorce is in the community. Um, and I see, I think that was like one of the major challenges. It wasn't, it wasn't just the divorce. It was the fact that that lack of support from the community and rather the judgments that came on right. me and my family when my parents were going through that divorce. And then it got so toxic to the point where 
my childhood best friends were not allowed to speak to me. And they told me they were like, you know, my parents said, since you, since your parents are divorced, I can't be friends with you anymore. (laughs) And to me, it didn't make any sense. You know, I, that's what really developed my curiosity behind psychology and human behavior. Like, why do people act this way? Why are people so mean? And why are people blaming me and my sister for my parents' divorce? I mean, we had nothing to do with it, you know? And so I was only 11 years old and that divorce had caused us because the community had gotten so toxic. We were forced Mm -hmm. to relocate from Chicago to New York. Well, first we went moved to (laughs) Connecticut and then we moved to New York. Um, I've moved a total of 12 times during my Mm -hmm. freshman year of high school. During my first year of high school, I moved 12 times. And when, wow. Yeah. And then imagine the fact, you know, a, a woman, my mom is an immigrant to this country and she mm-hmm. raised me and my my sister all on her own. And when the divorce happened, we packed our bags and we moved to Connecticut because at the time my sister had gotten full ride scholarship to her university. Okay. And we thought we thought it would be a good time to move because, hey, the backlash from the community was so bad. And then my sister got accepted into school there. So we thought it would be great to have a fresh start. Right. We moved to Connecticut and the racism was completely different. You know, in my community, I was surrounded by people. <laughs> of different of you know mainly like my culture and then other other cultures as well like you know other minority cultures and there was Mm -hmm. different types of ignorance there and I was again I was going through a culture shock because when I went to Connecticut I was the only brown person there the only daisy person there you know I was the only person of color in the entire school on top of that I'm wearing a yeah. And then on top of that, I'm wearing a head wrap. So uh-huh. you can only imagine the backlash I started getting then from my school in Connecticut. Oh, and so okay. I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is a little challenging. You know, I, I was very traumatized by the behavior from our community on top of that being mm-hmm. traumatized by my parents' divorce and then further mm-hmm. being traumatized by getting bullied because, you know, I was never used to being the outcast in environments in the beginning in the beginning, right. I'm like, oh, these are people around me. Okay, we still share some common beliefs. Even if I am different, there's still some common right, morals or values right. that we share. But now I'm Absolutely. in a completely different environment. And there's, you know, people are not understanding who I am. They've never seen people like me. And then again, it got so bad. My mom was not able to get a job in Connecticut. You know, she came to the States. She got her teaching certification license. And she's an elementary school teacher now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she's been an elementary school teacher for over 20 years. But then suddenly when we went to Connecticut, they literally Mm -hmm. told her at an interview that we would love to hire you if you take that off, meaning her headscarf. Yes. Really? Yes. I, I still remember this day I came home from school. My mom was in tears. She was in tears. And she's like, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, we weren't doing well financially at all. Um, we were running out of our savings. And then mm-hmm. luckily, one of um, our family members or relatives, I should say, in Connecticut mm-hmm. were like, why don't you guys move to Connecticut? You know, every weekend we would go to uh, we would move to New York. I'm sorry, because Connecticut okay. and New York are very close to each other. They're only like about an hour and a half to two hours away, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my aunt was like, OK, you know, New York is not as racist. Why don't you guys try moving here? So, again, we moved <laughs> to New York okay. now. Right. Yeah, but then we moved a couple of times due to different reasons. And then when we finally got to New York, again, I was faced with another culture shock. I mean, there was a lot more diversity, absolutely. But uh-huh. people were still not used to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I wore my head wrap. I was very quiet. I was very, very 
to myself. I wasn't really talking to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even before then, I've always been teased because I like to call myself a late bloomer, meaning, you know, when everybody was doing the makeup and dating and doing all of that, I was not into any of that. I kind of always okay. kept to myself. My head was always buried in the books. Um, and uh-huh. I always had like an ambitious personality since I was young. And I was teased about that. And I didn't understand oh. it either. And so okay. that's that was another thing, you know, since my youth, I've always been mistreated in a way that I didn't understand why. And I always blamed mm-hmm. myself for it. And I thought, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. And that's what developed that curiosity for, for psychology. And so, you know, in New York, I do have to say it was another culture shock because it was so different. And I was really missing Chicago. I was really missing Chicago. So after about two years, we ended mm-hmm. up moving back to Chicago when things had calmed down. You know, we okay. realized from the situation. And uh-huh. that was a huge risk. We're like, okay. You know, we tried Connecticut. It didn't work. We tried New York. There's no place like home. Let's move back to Chicago. Right. We go back to Chicago and we didn't tell anybody that we were moving back, you know, just for our own safety. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, I started going to college. And, and then again, I realized a lot of the people in the community who had mm-hmm. mistreated us for, the, for my parents' divorce ended up coming back to us. And they were they realized what they had done was wrong. And the entire time, my mom had never said anything. And she did say this one thing that I still carry with me today. And she said, you know, you don't treat people with their manners. You treat them with your manners. Meaning no matter, no matter how wrong they are, because of your heart and you have good intentions and you have a good character, if you're a good person, things will always work out for you in one way or another. And you will understand why you went through what you went through. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit into my college years, you know, um, Again, in college, it was really interesting because I grew up in an, in like an Arab environment where I was able to speak the language, read the language, and write the language. And then mm-hmm. I've never really been so in touch with the Desi side of my identity because I've always been made fun of it from a very young age. I was the darkest one in my school or in my class, I guess you could say. People would always be, you know, poke fun in a passive-aggressive way about the food that I would bring mm-hmm. or about the about the clothes that we would wear. And it's ironic because the very same people who made fun of me when I was younger are the same people that are embracing basic culture today. And so right. it's interesting. Right. It's interesting to see that it, life really does come in full circle. It's, it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. say this out of, out of you know, any, any anger, but rather I say this out of when you go through something and you don't understand why you're going through it, life really does show you the cards of why you went through what you went through and it made me realize if I had not gone through those mistreatments I would not be an empath it's because Mm -hmm. of me being able to feel the pain that I felt when I went through so much of what I went through and it's being able to feel that pain in such different degrees Mm -hmm. being able to allow yourself to see that pain in others is what allows me to be an empath because I can connect with people on that level of pain I can see that and without them having to explain it to me, because I have been there, I have been at my lowest points, I have been there, you know, but I've also gotten up from those points in college, my mental health was suffering so much, I had major depression, I had major anxiety disorder. Um, You know, I I got involved with a group of bad people that weren't the best influences. Mm -hmm. And I kind of lost myself in the process. And I was being a bad friend to those who were so good to me. And I was chasing right. after people that were not good for me in my life and my mental health. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that these people and what I'm doing is just so damaging to my mental health. And 
the way that certain friendships had exploded, it just didn't seem normal to me. I'm like, why is this happening? Why is this? What is going on? And then on top of that, whenever I would try to address anything, like any issue with anyone, it just wouldn't work out. And I and I would be seen seemed as like the person that's trying to cause problems and trying to create drama when really I'm trying to understand what went wrong so and how we can fix it now Uh, I realized uh. as I went through life and I moved through so many different places and I met so many different people I learned that a lot of times even people themselves it's a part of emotional intelligence every situation that I have encountered in my life or have dealt with or experienced it all ties back to emotional intelligence and that is why I embody that and I am so passionate about this because I really have understood it and experienced every level of it I've experienced the lack of self-awareness and then developing the self-awareness I'm still working on my emotional regulation because even as a coach I still have my own traumas that I continue to work through and doing this emotional intelligence for others it really reminds me of a lot of my own traumas but that's okay that's what growth is and growth is a never-ending process so fast forward to college going back I don't want to go off topic um I do want to go on a timeline here so it's easier Uh to track um so fast forward into college I was working about three jobs and taking seven to eight classes trying to graduate I started off with you know, my parents wanted always me to be a doctor, typical South Asian Daisy dream, wow. <laughs> you know, doctor, engineer, <laughs> lawyer. Um, yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> right. So I always thought I was going to be a physician assistant or a physician or a pediatrician. And I realized, wow. you know, my sister was in medical school and I said, I don't think I can be in school for that long. That's just not me. And for me, I, all, I need to be passionate about what I do. So I picked up psychology, and then I also have a passion for English. I'm a writer on the side. I'm a creative artist on the side. I love, love, love writing. And, you know, poetry is one of my biggest go-tos. And so um, I picked up on English, and I'm like, you know, why not? It's easy for me, and it's another degree. Why not? And so I graduated with my degree in psychology and in English. However, this is the main thing that I want to point out about my college experience is the fact that because I was juggling so many classes and my financial, I was completely financially independent. Um, I just, I, me choosing to work three jobs was my decision because I also ended up now I got a lot of scholarship through my own grades, but I also wanted to get the college experience of living on campus and it would be also easier, you know, just for commuting purposes and for job purposes as well, since I worked in this, in the near my university. And so you know, I yes, I, I, I have made mistakes along the way where I could have managed my money better. But I do believe that my strength and my resilience through everything I went through battling with depression and anxiety, when I was in college, working three jobs and taking seven to eight classes, you know, I lost my financial aid, and I couldn't take out loans. And so I ended up dropping out of college, because I was going through so much. And my grades mm-hmm. suffered, and I got kicked out of the university. Now, this is something I have never, ever spoken about anywhere (laughs) publicly. My own community, a lot of people don't even know this. Uh, But I got kicked out of the university in the sense that they told me that they were not going to be providing me any more financial aid due to my grades dropping so low. So I said, I can't afford this. I can't afford this. This is basically you're kicking me out if I can't take out my financial aid. And Uh so I was that was a really bad breaking point in my life. And I said, I need to really look at my life and decide what I want out of it and how, why are these emotions 
that I'm feeling and these situations that I'm going through, the emotions mm-hmm. that I would experience from everything that I would go through would be so debilitating for me. I felt like I was overpowered by my emotions. I couldn't have any control over how strongly I felt, whether that was me feeling hurt, whether that was me feeling upset or me feeling happy. There's all never been a balance in how I handled, handled my emotions before. It was always mm-hmm. in extremes. I was either really, really happy or really, really uh-huh. shattered, you know? Okay. And that was debilitating. Mm-hmm. That's also what, you know, made my anxiety and my depression worse because when I would get in those moods, I would not be able to work on any assignments. I would not be able to eat. I would not listen to anyone. It was just very detrimental to my own self. And I realized mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't be like that. No matter how bad the situation is, no matter how justified I feel, it doesn't matter what happens to me. It matters how I react. And that's something I still struggle with to this day is to handle that emotion. That's the emotional regulation part of that emotional intelligence. And I'm very honest about it. Yes, I'm a coach and I really do feel like I am the expert in this. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I also have growing to do, you know, and I think that's that's as an educator, that's very important to know that even educators need to continuously educate themselves so they can be the best for themselves and their clients and their students, you know, and who they interact with now. Upon getting kicked out of college, I was like, you you know what, they even told me, you know, usually when financial aid gets taken away and the student leaves, there's a Mm -hmm. there's almost zero to none chance of the student being accepted. And I said, no, I'm going to come back here. My friends are all here. You know, my whole life was there. I'm like, I need to get back into the school. So I ended up going to a community college near home for about a year. I picked up my grades. I got straight A's. I pulled a 4.0 GPA. I wrote an amazing uh-huh. essay and I reapplied to the university that took that basically took my financial aid away. My, and that's where all my friends were. My life was there. You know, my old apartment was there. I was very, very sad losing all of that because it really was another world for me. And that was my safe place for me. And so I was mm-hmm. really trying relentlessly to go back and I would be working and still going to school. And then I applied and they told me that they would never take me back. And Lo and behold, I got back accepted into that school and I got that full scholarship again. They gave me my entire scholarship again after kicking me out and saying that they would not they would not accept students who got let go. And so that was a very huge moment for me because, you know, people would tell me when I went through that, whenever anything bad would happen in my life or even like with my parents divorce, it's very, very hard when people say, say things like, well, you know, they, she probably deserves it. Or why does this only happen to her? It's so weird. You know, I would have a lot of people saying things, even like own, my own people in my own circles would be like, it's so weird that these things only happen to you. Like it's, it's you, it's not, it's not anyone else. And, and I realize now after 26 years that no, it's not just me. Of course, I have a contributing factor in how I would react to situations. But these situations that I would be surrounded by and that I would be in were not normal. Because right, it was all right, toxic. Right. It was all toxic. And that's the thing what toxic toxic environments do is they make you believe that you are the problem, not them. Yeah. And it took yeah. me years so to realize this. So after I got back into university, I said this, I, it really gave me the confidence I needed to really just take on everything else. And going through what I went through, even like, you know, my own family, they even said, they're like, oh, you wanted to move out. But then you mm-hmm. ended up, coming back you know so everybody was like you made these decisions for yourself but then you got kicked out but then it's like it doesn't matter because I I went back and I graduated with 
psychology and English, and I got accepted into a therapy program immediately after graduation. So that just really taught me that no matter how many times I get back up and I get knocked down, I will Mm -hmm. always be able to get back up because that's what my parents' divorce taught me. I saw the way my mom handled that. And so, you know, we went through all of those things all those years. And to this day, we are all all doing so much better. You know, everybody said that we wouldn't be successful. My sister and I, we actually established a nonprofit organization in South Asia, in Bangladesh, basically, where we established latrines and tube wells to provide access to sanitary water in Bangladesh. So we work on sanitation projects, and this has been uh, going on for over 10 years now. It's been covered by the press. It's been covered by the media here in America. It's been covered by ABC7, New York Times, um, in the Middletown Press in Connecticut, and it's called Brighter Dawns. If you YouTube it, Brighter Dawns is symbolizing a brighter future for the people in the slums and in the South Asian country. And so Brighter Dawns, it's like a new hope for a brighter future for a new day. So I'll definitely, wow. you know, I'll send you a video. We have amazing videos on YouTube about the nonprofit organization. And that's something we developed. You know, I was only 18 at the time and uh, my wow. sister was about 22, 23. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, Everybody told us we wouldn't accomplish anything. And here we were creating a nonprofit to help s- several people. My sister, mm-hmm. she is an in- she's incredible when it comes to her academics. And she was actually recognized by President Obama for her philanthropic work. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. And so, you know, that's something my family has been so huge on education even even right. like my even my father even though you know he hasn't been a part of our lives as much but mm-hmm. one thing i've learned from both of my parents are two things it's the way you treat people and education the importance of these two things are so undervalued and these are also two key elements that are a part of emotional intelligence so my morals and my values from when i was young is what developed my passion for what i do And then Uh my negative experiences and the obstacles and the mistreatment and cruelty that I face from society and the world around me is what developed my empathy. And so that is why I do what I do. So, you know, we created that nonprofit organization. Um, I, upon graduation, I was a therapist for about two and a half to three years. I did that on the side as a part-time job while I was working in marketing. Um, I was working in marketing and uh, advertisement for the food and beverage industry. And then I got accepted into, after working there for two years, you know, I worked in every single department. I wanted something more challenging. And so I got contacted by an accounting firm. Um, and I thought to myself, this is so random, but hey, it was a really great accounting firm. You know, they're very reputable. I thought, why not brush up on my business skills since I got the marketing aspect of it? So I decided to take that job. And that job had really introduced me to many, many wonderful people where I learned that, hey, you know, this is very interesting. And everyone who would see my resume would say this too. They're like, you have a lot of experience in many different fields. So, uh-huh. does, and, and they would say, do you not know what you want to do? I'm like, absolutely not. Of course, I know exactly what I want to do. And all of these experiences is what makes me so perfect for what I right. want to do, because I have that diversity. I have that, you know, I have that background and I really do. That's another core thing that I'm going to be talking a lot more on my profile is the importance of diversity and inclusion, because absolutely. everybody is judgmental about something when they don't understand it right so Mm -hmm. if you're coming from a point of understanding and being open-minded and learning about something then you're not going to be judgmental and cruel and so that's the thing that I learned you know like people were judging my parents divorced but they had no idea what was going on behind closed doors no one asked once to hear about my mom's side of the story you know they just judged her because she was a woman 
Right, 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 right. Absolutely. And wow. so, and they judged me as well for, you know, making my own decisions and moving out for college and then returning back home. But I went back and I moved out again. You know, I said, I can do this. And so then uh-huh. I did therapy. I did marketing. Um, I worked in the finance field and then I was getting contacted a lot for like, you know, the biz- in the business field to so work in different tar- aspects of the business department. And so I realized what life was showing me was that these challenges developed my empathy because I can really, really understand a person and what they're going through and come from mm-hmm. a place of love, kindness, compassion and understanding as opposed to judgment. And so because of that, I'm able to do what I do. I've literally devoted my life to this. I studied this. I've literally, even after doing therapy, even while I was doing marketing and other jobs, I was always Uh reading about emotional intelligence, therapy. I even did therapy myself. You know, I've been going to therapy. I think the best way to be something is to go through it. (laughs) The best way to teach something is to experience it yourself. You can't get it from the books you know, experiences are life's greatest teacher. I will, I will always say this because my experiences have taught me than any degree certification or license has given me. And so with that, I want to say my life experiences, I'm so passionate about that. And that's why I always knew that my mission in life was to help guide and advise people because that's what I was already doing and without realizing it. You know, I didn't Uh realize I was already doing it. And then even in my jobs and workplaces, I would be doing so well, not to sound cocky or conceited, but because I was doing well, a lot of people didn't understand how it came so easy to me. And they would tell mm. me, what is your strategy, Tarmeem? What is your strategy? Strategy, Tell us. And I would say, my strategy is sincerity. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My strategy is Absolutely. sincerity. That's it. That's it. I love that's what I blessing. do. I, I love what I do. I devote my life to what I do. And that's what makes me great at what I do. Hmm. Wow, you have said it so beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I talked to... your ear off. <laughs> no, I absolutely, you know, I was just um, like, you know, when you hear someone's life story and you mm-hmm. realize, you know, where they are coming from and mm-hmm. what all really happened to make them who they are. Mm-hmm. And you just shared all of that, you know, with me, with all our listeners. And mm-hmm. That's absolutely, you know, yeah. So everything that happened happened for a reason, so that oh, you, know, yes. you could where you are right now. Yeah, and then it doesn't even stop there. <laughs> it doesn't stop there. <laughs> um, it yeah, gets, there's more. There's more. So you know, after after I was doing all of these jobs and stuff, and I was so so committed to you know my work. I I have a really really strong work ethic. I'm very ambitious, and on the uh-huh. side. I always knew, like, I want to do more than what I'm doing right now. I want to do more. I want to do more. You know, I'm always after the next challenge. And I really devoted myself to my hobbies of, like, writing and spoken word, which is we get up on stage and, like, you know, just recite some poetry, um, open Mm -hmm. mic nights and things like that. And so I got involved a lot back into my writing because poetry writing is something I've always done when I was a child, when my you know, parents went through the divorce, a lot of my grief that I went through during that time was through writing. So writing has been a a place of comfort for me ever since I can remember, which is also why I decided to pick up that English degree. So I'm like, this is a passion that I have. So why not make something of it? Why not make Mm -hmm. something of it? And so I decided I'm like, okay, I don't want to do like a blog or anything like that. There's something else that I want to do. What can I do? And I, and I always thought, you know, every time I decided I wanted to do something bigger than what I was already doing, my self-doubt uh-huh. would really get in the way 
and prevent me from pursuing a new project, let's say. And so I would always say, you know, people look at how they treated me my my whole life. And then I would say, okay, but at the same time, there's a lot of wonderful souls that I've met along the way as well. And so Mm -hmm. my job is not to hide because of those people that make me feel bad. It's to collectively come together to create a community of like-minded people. And so I've always thought that, but, you know, I never really, I never really pursued it. And then I was just going through so much, even after college and feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to do something more. I'm still, I'm still going through a lot of the situations that I was going through, no matter how carefully I would handle them. And I would purposely mm-hmm. keep people in my life that were so damaging to my mental health, simply due to the history we shared, you know, because like right. I've known them my whole life, for example, something like uh-huh. that. And so about three summers ago, I just said, mm-hmm. you know what? I need a break from Chicago. <laughs> I need to take okay. a trip out. I need to take a trip okay. to back to New York. You know, I want to go visit mm-hmm. my old friends. I always, I always kept in touch with my friends in New York. And so I said, let me, let me message one of them and see what's going on. So she knew a lot about what was going on and said, hey, why don't you come spend your birthday here? And I mm-hmm. said, all right, you know what? I'm going to do this for myself. <laughs> I'm going to treat myself. I decided to go to New York for my birthday where I actually ended up meeting my husband. <laughs> and, you know, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> that trip, I was so, it's crazy, because that small decision led to a chain of events that have been just life changing for me in a positive wow. way, in a positive way. Yeah. You know, and so um, I met my husband in New York, he was friends with all, a lot uh-huh. of my friends. We were, we okay. had a lot of mutual friends and things like that. We kept in touch. We talked. Um, and, you know, he made it very clear to me. I was very surprised at how straightforward he was. You know, that's not something I was used to. And especially people would tell me that I'm too straightforward. So it was nice mm-hmm. to see that the energy that I would give to other people is finally coming back to me. And, you know, the way yeah. he just treated me was great. And we had we connected on a whole nother level that I've never connected with any human being before. And his authenticity is what really really, really amazed me to see that, you know, he's so unapologetically himself. And he shared his whole life story with me, I shared my life story with him. And for the first time in my life, I felt accepted. I didn't feel like I was being judged. And I felt like I was truly being valued for who I was. And that's a feeling that I've never experienced before, because I've always been so judged. And so, you know, and, and not even just that, I still had my guard up, even with that, because of the trauma that I've constantly been through with people. But then mm-hmm. seeing the sincerity and the authenticity and the follow through with everything, you know, I believe a man should do. He embodied that. He embodied mm. that. And so, you know, he really showed me that he was serious. And then we ended up getting married. Upon wow. getting married, we, we were supposed to uh, be in New York. But and then there, this was another challenge that had happened. My husband's house actually caught fire when we were supposed to move in. Okay. And so the house, it was, it was really crazy. We, uh, you know, I remember waking up to my mother-in-law just screaming for everyone to get out of the house and something happened with the neighbors and the entire like downstairs area completely blew up, you know, but we were so thankful that nobody got hurt that, you know, we're Uh okay. And that event is what caused him to move to where I'm at right now in Chicago. So we both live in Chicago now. Um, and you know, yeah, so that's where we are now. So that's where my journey has led us. And, you know, we never would have thought that he would have been here, but he never thought he would have left New York either, but it's been, it's been wonderful. And, you know, he's, he's learned a lot along the way. I've learned a lot along the way and it's been a beautiful journey since. And I, I, he was really the main person that 
always believed in me and said, you know, you, you should do this. You should do something. People would love to see your work and what you can provide. And I said, no, it's, it's not that great, <laughs> you know? But then he would remind me like, no, it is great. Like, look at the feedback you're getting from work. Look at what you're doing. Look at these lives that you're changing. And I wanted to expand wow. on that. I wanted to expand on that. So he really gave me that push and was the encouragement and the motivation motivation I really needed. And I, you know, I do this for a living. I, I motivate people all the time and I, I just needed a little bit of it myself. You know, I, I'm always guiding other people, but I never, I didn't have that support, you know? And sometimes that's something that we need to realize is the person that's always helping out everyone else. They also need a little bit of help sometimes. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with whatever you have said so far you know i have been like you know writing down all the points that okay yes this is one point i agree with and now oh, i'm so cute that, <laughs> and now i have such a big list that you know i i'm thinking that if i start talking then i'll be like okay you said this point and that was amazing and this and that was amazing so let me just you know say it in like one go that i totally agree with whatever you have said so far and yeah like you know i am yeah <laughs> you can always like I said like I said Shruti you are just such an incredible individual yourself and I'm just so humbled to know you you can always ask me any questions I'm an open book anytime right absolutely so there are a few questions that you know I would like to address in this conversation yes. um, so um, when you were you know you you were talking about your childhood and everything I'm sorry I'm taking you back in that conversation once again no no But it's okay so- <laughs> all right so at what point of time did you you know find this word find this mean find the meaning of this word and you realize that you can associate with the word empath you know empathy so what was that moment when you realized okay so this is there and maybe you know yeah this is what i'm feeling Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So the reason why, you know, I read about like empath very briefly when I was younger, but I never paid attention to it, you know, especially as a teenager who pays attention to things like that, I guess. And I didn't really, I didn't really think anything of it. And then the fact that people would always tell me you're overreacting, you're overreacting. That's a common dialogue that I hear all the time. Or why do you care so much? Or why are you going out of your way for this person? Or why does it bother you just move on you know like it's it's i always felt every emotion so strongly so so strongly and that's mm-hmm. what i and i real i literally googled it i'm like feeling emotions strongly <laughs> you know okay. and then uh-huh. i started i started reading about it and they said empathy and they're like okay this is literally the ability to understand and feel what another person is feeling because you're so in touch of, with your own emotions so someone who's so in touch with their own emotions it it really does almost intimidate people that are not used to being in touch with their emotions does that make sense like you know what i mean so because i felt so misunderstood i'm like this person is acting this way why do they refuse to acknowledge it i was always so honest and real about how i felt all the time and people could not handle that i guess and i guess okay i'm like okay i'm too emotional so it was a fact that every single person even the people closest to me have always told me you're too emotional you're too emotional and my desire to really want to help someone and really like whenever i see anyone like for example crying and if i i can literally feel their pain and people will be like why are you why are you so concerned you know why or they'll be like why are you nosy and i'm like oh my gosh i'm not being nosy i'm just concerned you know um the right, and then right. 
but then being an empath comes with an entire different responsibility because you need to manage that right you need to manage just because this that you're an empath that's that's not okay that doesn't mean that you can react the way you react and that's what it taught me that yes i feel so strongly but what can i do about it because because i feel so strongly about things my emotions become debilitating for me where it prevents me right. from moving forward in my day and with my what i need to do with my priorities i can't let that keep happening because i let that happen to me in college and it caused mm-hmm. me to suffer for my grades to suffer it wasn't because I was taking multiple jobs and multiple classes. It was because, yes, that was a contributing factor. I was working a lot and I was taking a lot of classes, but also the situations that I was going through were so emotionally debilitating that it caused me to completely lose whatever focus that I did have. Hmm. Right, right, right. So then I realized, what can I do? I literally, I started going to therapy myself. I, like I said, I've been to therapy since the age of nine years old to understand myself other myself better mm-hmm. so I can understand others better you know so because of my strong sense of self from a young age it really intimidated other people who are not in touch with their emotions who didn't know how to handle conflict who didn't know how to handle disagreements who didn't know how to handle really any emotion that's not happy and I don't think that's uh-huh. healthy I'm like you know unhappy emotions are a part of life you need to learn to deal with them and before I say that to anyone else I said okay I take it back to myself all the time because the greatest way that change happens, it starts with yourself. And so I looked Mm -hmm. at myself and I said, yes, I'm an empath. Yes, I feel things strongly, but no, Mm -hmm. I cannot react because I, it's, I can't react in a, in a matter that's destructive because the way, because of how strong my emotions were, I had toxic qualities because I would be explosive when I was angry. And that's something that I, I still work on every single day is emotional regulation is a thing that I, I, you know, I practice and I work on because you can feel something and feel justified to it, but it's not, it's not mature, nor is it emotionally intelligent of you to, you know, react in a manner that's so detrimental to your environment. And so I said, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe the way I'm, I, I really did go through a lot with struggling to believe, okay, am I overreacting too much? Or is this person making me feel bad? and deflecting right now how can I differentiate between me overreacting and this person not acknowledging what they're saying and doing or not taking responsibility for their actions and then I realized you know you people can be dishonest they can lie to you all they want and you can you can't make someone believe what you know you know if you can't make them confront what you confronted you can't make them see your perspective all you can do is handle the way you react and distance yourself from those people And so I realized, no, there's also a factor on you. You have a responsibility as well. If you find that Mm -hmm. you're emotionally regulating yourself and an ability to react in a calm manner or in a healthy manner, let's just say, and this person is still being detrimental to your mental health, that's easy to determine, Mm -hmm. okay, it's not you now, it's that person. And that's what I had developed because of the situations in my life where people always made me feel like I was the bad guy. I'm the one that's Um, crazy. I'm the one um, that's you know overreacting or you know even with friends if I ever had an argument with friends my biggest flaw was that I needed to fix it right away and I wouldn't be able to give the person space because my anxiety would come up and my my brain would go into fight or flight mode and then go in survival mode where I need to fix this I need to fix this because that's how (laughs) I've been conditioned my entire life whenever anything would happen even when I was younger it's like, okay, what can I do to fix this? What can I do to help out? What can I do to make the situation better? Because of that psychological response from when I was younger, it immediately mm-hmm. 
causes me to go into fix or fix like fix mode fixing solutions mode automatically without understanding that hey i also need to be respectful of someone else's space they may not be in the mental capacity to handle my my venting sessions they may not be in the capacity to hear me right now and so that's why you know my situation that's what made me realize that okay i'm an empath but by me understanding what an empath was it led me to be able to embrace who i was and learn what I needed to do to make my life better. And for me, that was emotionally regulating myself and understanding mm. that, you know, I can't fix people. I can't force them to accept the truth. I can't, you know, they can, they can believe a lie all they want. Some people lie so much their whole lives that they don't even realize that they're lying, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just like, so you can't true. let that affect your mental health. And that's what I realized mm-hmm. is because of the people around me, the situations that I've been in, the things that I've been through in my life. And then, you know, even upon getting married to my husband and meeting so many other people and, and making new friends, I realized there's healthy people out there. <laughs> you know, there is a community who will accept you and embrace you for your, for your qualities and your traits. And then sometimes you can be in environments where because people are so unhappy and miserable with their own lives and with themselves, seeing somebody really embrace who they are and being so confident with themselves and seeing them be truly happy, someone else's confidence is a reflection of their insecurities, causing them to be toxic or causing them to be insecure and resentful. And so that's something that I realized is, okay, even through this entire journey of me creating this platform, it was to reach out to more people. And it's to, you know, do something bigger than what I was doing. I was already doing counseling. I was already doing advising. I'm already doing therapy with clients and students and patients. I want to do something more. And that was uh-huh. this. And that's that's the push that, you know, I'm so grateful to my husband for giving me that because, you know, I did that for people my entire life. I gave them that encouragement uh-huh. and I helped them see their that their own potential. And then my husband made me see that in myself because I didn't understand it. And he kind of he kind of put the puzzles together for me. And I said, you know what? I do have a gift. I do have a talent. My passion is my, is my gift. It's a gift because I'm intuitive. I, I am so passionate about this. And one thing working in business and I realized this is why I was in so many different fields. Shruti. This is why I was in so many different jobs because it made me understand different people from different worlds. And it made, it prepared me for this, for, for my, for, for, for what yeah. I'm doing right now, you know, like, this is the business approach that I can take because I am trying to become, you know, as, 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 as far spread as I can to spread my mission and the importance of mental health, because that's how change happens. It starts with one person at a time and it starts with education because without education, you have no ability to understand why it's so important where there is no understanding. There is no interest to learn. So that's where education comes in. And I consider myself, to be a lifelong student, because I will continue to be learning from not just those around me, but from life. And so that's why I am so passionate about what I do. That is why I'm known as Empathy Queen, because empathy Mm -hmm. is a key symbol in emotional intelligence. And the EQ stands for the emotional quotient that is being uplifted and raised through mastering and developing emotional intelligence. Right. Wow. You know, you have uh, you know, with this conversation, you have taught so much already. Like, it, it's already, you know, I think I'm pretty sure that all the listeners who will be listening to this conversation, conversation, they will be learning so much and they'll be realizing so many things and they will sit with themselves and, you know, 
they will make a lot of realizations they will realize a lot of things and i'm pretty sure they will try and make things better for themselves and for the world so yes. thank you for you know being so honest in this conversation and you have already answered a lot of my questions that i had <laughs> i'm so sorry i talk a lot <laughs> no that's absolutely fine you know that's absolutely fine because you know the, the main thing is that the flow of conversation is maintained so you have done it so beautifully but yeah. let's uh, go to the next question on that note now so absolutely um, what exactly you know you have already said it once you have said it like quite a number of times actually but still i would like you to tell us once again that what is emotional intelligence and how exactly does it relate to mental health absolutely like how so it really impacts your you know your decisions possibly your mental health your stress or any of that so what's the relation between the, these two yeah no absolutely um with emotional intelligence one has to understand that the reason what emotional intelligence consists of is the management of one's own emotions because your emotions affects your thoughts it affects your actions it affects everything that you're doing so if you're not able to have that understanding of your emotion if that emotional quotient that's being raised through emotional intelligence then it it's, it's affecting every other aspect of your life so the reason why this relates to mental health is because it relates to the feelings that you're having that contribute to your thought process and your actions that affect everything that happens in your life So your emotions affect your thoughts, your thoughts affect your actions. So if you don't have a handle on your emotions, you will not have a handle on your behavior and your actions and that will cause the destruction or that will cause you to go off path or go off track. So that really is what emotional intelligence is. It includes the ability to not only be able to identify the emotions but to perceive them, to use your mm-hmm. emotions to, you know, really be able to facilitate positive thoughts that will improve your life that will be good for your mental health that will be good for your well-being and understanding that emotional information and regulating them so what that means is being able to identify and your emotions mm-hmm. and using that to implement betterment in your life and how can you do that you can do that by understanding for example if you're angry what is something that you usually do do you throw things what is something what's an alternative thing that you can do that can prevent you if you're sitting down stand up and this is psychologically proven and biologically proven as well is when a person is in a state of anger if they shift mm-hmm. the position that they're in their body automatically mm-hmm. is regulating those hormones and you can further contribute to that growth by thinking differently by switching that mindset and that's what emotional intelligence is it helps you be aware of those emotions and that's why it's connected to mental health because it starts with the self it's all about you and how you're feeling how you're doing how really those emotions are provoking thoughts and how those thoughts are provoking actions so in order to have healthy actions you need to be responding to those emotions in a healthy way and that's where the management and regulation part comes in with where you can manage them okay if you're explosive what's something else that you can do to manage you to prevent being explosive or what's an alternative mm-hmm. action that you can do and then regulating is okay yes let's say you were able to manage your anger this one time but then you blow up another time that's okay because right. 
you're making progress. It's a part of the process. So that's why it starts with that self-awareness, meaning being able to understand what your emotions you're feeling and why and where it's coming from. How can you manage them? How can you regulate them so you can master the management aspect of emotional regulation and self-awareness that you're able Mm -hmm. to manage not only yourself, but the emotions that you're feeling and how you react to those emotions. And that's what relates to the social skills and empathy and relationship management and conflict resolution. You cannot acquire mental uh, an, an improved mental health without having a good sense of self-worth and self-being. And that's what emotional intelligence teaches you is to get to know yourself better through your own emotions and how you react to them, how you handle them. And those influences of being able to think better and regulate it and manage it will allow you to understand other people's emotions better and and, in a lot more conducive way. I can tell you right now, because I've been devoting my life to this, after 26 years, There's Mm -hmm. so many things that I would say that have happened that back then, five years ago, me would be like crazy explosive over it. Now I'm just like, okay, I need to let it go. And there's a difference and there's a difference in how I came to that. And I still practice that, you know, because don't get me wrong, things happen all the time, but I've learned Mm -hmm. how to manage it in a more conducive way that doesn't, is not detrimental to my relationships and to my life. So that's why right. that's how it relates to mental health, because when you don't have a handle on your emotions and you're feeling explosive, it automatically relates to anxiety. And that's what develops depression. And that's how it relates to mental health, because if you don't have an understanding of emotional, perce- like perceiving your emotions and being able to facilitate your thoughts to produce active actions that are actually good for you, that are healthy mm-hmm. for you, then it's going to develop anxiety and it's going to develop depression. So knowing your emotions allows you to better able to handle your thoughts and your thoughts will allow you to better be able to act in a way that's more healthy. So emotions, thoughts, and actions, they go hand in hand with each other and emotion, thoughts, and actions equals behaviors. And your behaviors is what leads to you either being happy or being depressed or being anxious in life. So that's how it relates to mental health. Right. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so there's, you know, um, I am again curious about this one thing that whatever you just said about, you know, emotional intelligence and how it really works on our thoughts and, you know, thoughts, they uh, sort of work on our actions, all of that. I totally agree with you on this. But what I am thinking is that, you know, right now we are living in a world where people are so distracted, like everything about their life is so stressful. The moment they wake up, they have a schedule, they go to work, da 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 da. They come back home. They, you know, it's it's our life is becoming very mechanical in that sense. So, in when people are so lost in you know in this sea of so many actions throughout the day in and you know the day out and all of that. How can people connect more easily with their emotions? Like how mindfulness. Can they... Right. I, so could you I maybe, you know, say mindfulness? Yeah. Yes, yes. Mindfulness. I, I love this topic because it is very near and dear to my heart and the effect it has on the people who have practiced it. You know, when we're mm-hmm. on a day-to-day schedule, we're on a routine. And as we go through life, not just going through life, but growing through life as well, Mm -hmm. you're constantly being demanded 
by all of your obligations and duties in life, not allowing you to really take things in for a moment. So it's really easy to get into that, get into that. And I'm so glad that you asked this, Shruti, because I can relate to this and really talk about this. And I really hope it helps our listeners out because I always called myself a workaholic and I used to be so proud of this and I am proud of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this society has become very, I guess I want to say, congratulatory towards the work culture of hustling or working hard and you know work hard play hard or all of all of the all of the sayings that you can say where you know yes okay that's great you're you're going Mm -hmm. after your dreams you're working really hard but you also need to be taking care of your body and your top part of taking care of your body is not just your physical appearance and your and, and you know your physical health but it's your mental health because what's on the inside always will come out onto the outside what you're feeling mm-hmm. and how you're doing on the inside will always pour out to the outside. So it's really important to practice mindfulness and take a break from everything. So what is mindfulness for those that are listening? Mindfulness is really taking a step back and it's a time of reflection, just deep reflection mm-hmm. and really being in, in the moment of your surroundings and the, whatever you're feeling in the moment and whatever is around you. Just being present is what mindfulness is. And being, mm-hmm. you know, away from the distractions and really contemplating about that which matters most to you. It could be five minutes of every day where I always t- tell, you know, I always say this with my students, my clients and patients. I say, do the mindfulness practice of gratitude, you know, every mm-hmm. single day, no matter how bad the situation may seem every single day. If you practice this for 30 days, I assure you, your anxiety will be will be lifted and you will find some relief come back and try this for 30 days and then Mm -hmm. let me know if it works for you or not and I promise you if this does not work we will have a conversation that can provide you with relief um, from you know the busyness of life but if you really just take five minutes of every single day at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and say what are you grateful for come up with three things and really reflect on your day reflect on your life and just talk, just talk to yourself. What are three things that you are grateful for? And now I just wanted to say to everyone who is listening and to you as well, Shruti, and this goes for myself, mm-hmm. mindfulness looks different for every person. And this mm-hmm. is something that I definitely want to encourage because everyone talks about mindfulness. Everyone talks about mental health and how to improve it and how can uh-huh. you obtain a happier, more fulfilled and peaceful life. But what people don't really want to tell you is there is not a one type solution for everyone there isn't Mm -hmm. right so that is what emotional intelligence is is that it covers every single aspect that you can think of it helps you with not just your mental health it helps you with life and that's why you know I always say that your IQ plus EQ equals success your IQ Mm -hmm. consists of the things that you learn you know through academics through schooling you know, but that doesn't define your intelligence only. Even to this day, 85% of emotional intelligence is contributed to success. And then that success is contributed to emotional intelligence. Why? It's part of that emotional quotient. Not the IQ. The IQ is there, but IQ only accounts for 15% of human success. And again, Mm -hmm. with mindfulness, it could be, you know, what mindfulness is to me could be different than what it is to you. It could be, okay, listening to some music and sitting down and really just hearing the birds outside or listening to your music or, you know, baking Mm -hmm. a cake and just being lost in the aroma of what you're cooking. That could be mindfulness for you. So 
everybody right. has a different definition of what mindfulness is but this one this one key quality that if you turn into a habit will be a medicine for really just letting go and appreciating where you're at it's because especially aside from this constant scheduling and the routine we live in a society where we're constantly comparing our lives to those on social media to those mm-hmm. in our workplace to those that are in our community to those that are in our circle and we don't realize how detrimental this is so mindfulness yeah. takes you away from that toxic thinking of comparing yourself constantly to everyone else because you're being grateful yourself right you're 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 talking about what you are grateful for so how does that help you because it reminds you that your situation is not as bad and that you always have something to be grateful for and so it takes you away from that comparison you know so, and i i do want to just say someone else's blessings are not a reflection of what you are missing out in life and someone else's accomplishments or is not a reflection of your failure everyone mm-hmm. has their own time everyone is on their own journey but it is up to you to be the best person of the best person that you can be for yourself because you don't owe it to anyone else you owe it to yourself to reach the potential that you deserve to reach in life to really right. to really you know feel satisfied and how can you do that how can you do that you can do that through educating yourself through striving to be a better person you can do that through mindfulness by really coming down no matter how upset you are at having that that's where that emotional regulation and management come in again so again emotional intelligence really does uh, does tie into everything in life anything you ask me i can tell you how it'll relate so bring on the questions here <laughs> wow uh, you know i am there are so many questions that are you know just coming to my mind about so many things and i am like okay maybe i should ask this or maybe i should ask that so um all right so but let's just sort of you know go with the flow of our conversation so i am absolutely amazed with uh, the way you know you have been describing the emotional intelligence and all of that and yes there are ways that you know you can work on yourself but what i would like to uh discuss about here now is that you can work on yourself all right you know what's there for you what's uh, what are your emotions that possibly you know you have to work on or something or the other but there are the external triggers that you have no control over whatsoever like there are right. these you know toxic people out there who obviously you cannot do anything about them right like you cannot just tell them to okay you know what you are not supposed to behave like this no you cannot do that so first of mm-hmm. all how can we recognize those people like you know what are those some make some red flags that people should be aware of and at least so that yes. you know people know okay that's a red flag right there and then once they uh, recognize it what is the action that they should be taking you know to protect them i love that question i love this question yes absolutely of course you know we don't have control over the way other people behave but we do have control over who we allow into our lives and how much we how close we allow them to be with us so one of the main red flags to watch out for is to under, to really look at how people handle disagreements that's the key quality that will show you how a person is toxic or not you know a healthy person will if you address that hey like you know you made me feel really upset 
a mm-hmm. healthy person will say, I'm, you know, they will say, oh, I'm, that wasn't my intention or how they'll try to understand, like, how did I make you feel that way? Rather than saying, well, you made me feel this way when X, Y, and Z happened, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. difference between healthy and unhealthy people when it comes to having being toxic and not toxic. Toxic people do not ever want to acknowledge any type of negative emotion. They don't want to take responsibility for any behavior or action or words that they have said may cause another person to feel a certain way. They don't want to acknowledge that and they really react in a negative way or they become explosive or they they turn the tables on you and point fingers at you saying, well, you did this from a previous situation. You know, basically mm-hmm. holding each other, like holding score. So number one, watching a way a person handles a disagreement will tell you how long they'll be in your life. You can't handle, if you can't handle a disagreement in a healthy way where you're not attacking the person and you're not really, you know, making them feel like, basically making them feel really bad for even confronting an issue. If someone Mm -hmm. makes you feel bad for, you know, confronting an issue, that's a red flag too. Not wanting to take responsibility for their behavior, how they handle disagreements. Mm -hmm. Are they willing to acknowledge that they hurt you is their apology sincere how or you might find people that say oh i'm so sorry you know i understand how i hurt you and then they mm-hmm. they you know they're condescending that's another thing about toxic people P- how they handle agreements and condescending people meaning they'll say oh i forgive you thank you for you know telling me what bothered you and then they act completely different with you because that's mm-hmm. just you know that's just an image thing where they just want to look good and be, they're upset because they're insecure and you called them out on something that affected you but you're not doing it to call them out you're not doing it to attack them you're just saying hey you did this and it hurt me but to them they take it as an attack because they're very insecure about themselves and they do realize that okay this person is right but then because they have such a low self-confidence they feel Mm. it they feel like it's an attack and they think oh oh my god she she's right I did say that and that was messed up so instead of saying humbling yourself that's when the pride and ego come in One thing I always say is look out for people who are super insecure because insecurity breeds toxicity. When you're not sure of yourself and you're not, you don't have a sense of confidence within yourself, you're going to look at everything else as an attack. And Mm -hmm. even let's say, let's say it's not an attack, right? And you're recognizing this is how it falls into a cycle. And it's so easy to fall into a toxic cycle with someone and not being able to recognize it. If you're somebody that really does takes people for what they say and then you're driving yourself crazy, like, okay, I addressed what was bothering me. I did the right thing. They said sorry, and we, we, I thought we were fine, but now they're acting a different way. Pay attention to uh-huh. actions. So that's number three. Number one was what? It was learn to see how people handle disagreements. Friends, right. partners, family, everyone. How do they handle a disagreement? How do they handle when you bring up how they made you feel? Are those positive questions? Mm-hmm. Are those positive answers to those questions? Then you may not be dealing with a positive person that's that has a positive mental health they may be toxic uh-huh. okay are if they're uh-huh. not like for example if they don't handle disagreements well are they condescending do their actions and words match up with each other when they say sorry or they say they will do something do they follow through with their actions or do their does their behavior follow with their sayings that you can have someone saying i want the best for you i want the best for you i'm praying for you and then you can treat them like complete garbage and you know be jealous about them or talk about them or paint them in a negative light how is that you wanting the best for them if you're mistreating them you know so watching out 
for condescending people, people that don't know how to handle disagreements. Those are the top two things I would say to watch out for toxic flags um, because everything else really goes under that category, really actions and words. And then number three, my last thing I would say, the top two, three things here. um, The third thing is establishing boundaries. Yes, you can accept the way people are acting. You can't control them, but you can set boundaries. You know, for example, if this person is constantly saying, you know, yeah, everything is fine, everything is fine, but they act different with you, you know, in person, and no matter how much you're trying with them, they're just not being the same anymore. You're that's so po- negative and that's so detrimental to your mental health because you as a person are recognizing, okay, you're doing the right thing. But when this mm-hmm. person is not reciprocating that effort, you start to blame yourself like, did I do something wrong? But then that's yeah. why it's important to establish those boundaries and say recognize and that's when it's that mindfulness comes in from and say you are only responsible for your behavior it doesn't matter what happens to you it matters how you react it's something that has been ingrained in me since I was a child and I still literally hear this voice in my head always whenever I get really upset about anything it doesn't matter what happens to you it matters how you react because through your reaction can either be good or bad for you either the toxic person you're dealing with will manipulate it and you can never win with a toxic person I will say this right now (laughs) do not ever the best way to win with a toxic person is to not play at all because it is not possible they will manipulate your words switch the conversation back on you manipulate your emotions trigger you purposely and then use that to you know negatively attack you and say see this is how you reacted it's like okay you can't you can't yeah. shoot a person and then ask them why they're bleeding right you shot them so that's why they're bleeding so it's, it's kind of like that <laughs> you can't do that yeah. and so that's something that I always say that you need to be responsible for how you treat people. People are not responsible for their actions. See the way they treat other people in their lives as well. You know, Mm. when they have a disagreement, how do they take criticism? Are they able to take criticism? And then that third thing, I'm so sorry, I went off on a tangent. I wanted to say was establishing those boundaries is, you know, by saying, Hey, it's not okay when you say this or do that with me and then distance yourself. If the person, you know, if you continue treating them with all the love and the kindness and they're not changing their behavior, you're teaching mm-hmm. them that, hey, it's okay for you to continue treating me this way. But if you put your yeah. foot down and you establish those boundaries and say, hey, I'm not, no matter, and that's you having to be strong with yourself. It doesn't matter how much this person means to you. If they're violating your boundaries and you need to know what your boundaries are, that's where that self-awareness, again, we come back to emotional intelligence and having that uh-huh. self-awareness of what are your morals? What are your values? What are your triggers? What are your boundaries? What pisses you off? What are some deal breakers? What are some things that you will not accept? And how can you address those in a healthy way by establishing those boundaries? Again, it goes to the regulation and the management and practicing establishing it, you know? Don't say yes to an invitation where you don't really like the person just because you want to seem nice. Because in the end, you're going to end up going, you're going to feel resentful. And then at the end of the day, you're going to feel bad about yourself because you did something that you didn't want to do. You did it because out of societal pressure or out of peer pressure value yourself and your needs and that's how you establish your boundaries right wow (laughs) you just keep amazing me with you know each answer that you give literally I'm not even kidding (laughs) that you know I I just have been just so Uh (laughs) like I am literally I am literally you know making notes and everything there is a column which is more about the questions and there is a column which is about just you know So thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot, you know, thank you enough for this conversation. Yes, okay, absolutely. So, uh, 
the next question that I want to ask you is that are there any myths which are sort of you know pertaining to the emotional intelligence that you would like to address because I'm pretty sure with like with every topic you know everything that is there in this world there are some myths some something or the other that people believe in but that's just not true yes. at all I'm so thankful you asked this people think that emotional intelligence cannot be learned and i want to just say that is false that is false yes some people are you know they are just naturally born with more intuitive traits and qualities that that are elements of emotional intelligence but if you're not like for example if you're someone that just cannot deal with emotions and if you're someone that just it just turns you off and you you just would rather you would rather walk 10 miles than deal with someone's emotions you can still uh-huh. learn it and you can still develop empathy it's just the people that are emotionally unavailable and lack emotions and lack emotional intelligence it's because of developmental trauma and they don't have that emotional quotient that was ever nurtured so this is yes especially a lot of people are born with it and mm-hmm. they embrace it and they end up really you know learning more about it and increasing their EQ levels which i think it was for me i really believe that i was definitely born an empath and i do have this gift and this talent um and i'm very well aware of it it just took me a long time to really understand it and put it into practice but because i was able to understand that this is what i am i myself mm-hmm. have increased my emotional intelligence by not just understanding my abilities but practicing them more and that's what people say is practice makes perfect so absolutely emotional intelligence whether you are in touch with your emotions or not whether you know anything about emotional intelligence or mental health or not it can most definitely be learned anything can be learned with the dedication and the curiosity to learn and like i always say where there is no interest there is no understanding so the first thing you need to have is that desire to want to know and then practicing that desire right wow yeah again you know i think this uh like you know somebody had to address this like you know this myth somebody had to address this and somebody had to sort of you know just say it that you know yes the way you have said it out loud i am so thankful to you once again for addressing this myth and i would also like to ask you um, are there any myths like i'm pretty sure there are but are there any myths that you would like to address about mental health yes everyone has mental health some people think that oh i don't need mental health you have it everyone has mental health it's about whether or not you're doing anything with it for example if you have let's say a bunch of children and you just have another one that's just there are you not going to give every single children your equal amount of attention love and care or are you only going to pick at some of them you pick at every single one right you take care of all your kids you don't just take care of one of them so Absolutely. mental health and physical health is what makes up an entire human being so if you're only taking care of 50% of your house okay you can look like the hottest person out there and mm-hmm. have the most beautiful features but if you don't and you can be the smartest in terms of like you can have all the awards and have all your degrees 
But if you don't know how to handle people and humans are social creatures, right? We don't realize uh-huh. it, that emotional intelligence is, is what needs to be more, more normalized and, and practiced and mental health needs to be more talked about and eradicated from the stigma because it's, it makes up everything just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not affecting us, which is an example of what's going on right now with the COVID-19 and the coronavirus. It's a deadly mm-hmm. disease and it's affecting so many people, but we can't see it. And it's so serious that it's caused an entire world to really shut down. Why? Absolutely. Because the lack of knowledge, right? The lack of importance yeah. on the ability to really understand what are the preventive measures we can do to prevent things mm-hmm. from getting this worse. So that's what I created my platform for. It's to get rid of that myth and tell people, hey, I'm a coach and I can teach this. I can help you because yeah. I have been through it myself. I have experienced that's it. Funny. I have been there where you are at, how low you're feeling. I've been there. I feel you. I hear you. And I am here to hear you. Just like the coronavirus is a deadly virus that has been taking over our world. Mm-hmm. If mental health is not taken more seriously, it's going to mm-hmm. continue damaging the world and the business and how we do everything in life because everything we do in life starts with how we interact with people and how we uh-huh. interact with people is driven by how we feel and how we feel is driven by our emotions. So right. if we don't learn how to treat people, how to interact with people, how to deal with people, how to deal with our own selves and our own emotions that affects the way that other people even treat us. How are we going to make anything? And I think this whole coronavirus pandemic is such a wake-up call. You know, it's, so, yeah. it's such a tragedy. It's, it's a tragedy, but at the same time, it's a wake-up call for the world to say, hey, look at what matters. Look at what matters. Right, right. Be Absolutely. kind. Because at the end of the day, who's out there, you know, doing the work right now? It's the service workers. You know, it's the people in the factories that are helping package these products that we're going to still buy. It's the delivery people who are bringing groceries to our, to our door. You know, it's, it's what's happening right now. The world is coming together for what? For a greater purpose. So when people come together and instead of judging people for where they're coming from, for their mental health, for their background, do you, can you only imagine what a beautiful world it would be? So I see it. I see it. And that's my vision. And I, I, I want the world to also see my vision because love is everything. Kindness is everything. Kindness is intelligence. Love and kindness can do so much more than you know war and fighting and 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 just t- like just meanness has ever done you know well, like what has there's unity and power right there's power and unity and what what's more powerful than people coming together and coming from a place of understanding and wanting to be the best version for themselves not just for themselves but for the people around them right so that's the greatest right, gift, right. gift you can give to someone is by being your best self so in order, if you say you love someone or you love those around you, then focus on being the best person you can be for not for yourself, but for them as well. Yeah. Let that motivate you if you don't want to do it for yourself. Who are you going to do it for? You have to find uh-huh. that motivation. And that's also a part of emotional intelligence. What motivates you to keep going? What, what, what kind of life would you like to have? Okay, you're upset that people treat you this way. What are you going to do about it? And that's exactly mm-hmm. the question yeah. I asked myself years ago. I'm tired of being in these situations. I'm tired of being mistreated. So, Okay. It happens. What am I going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, that's the question that, you know, you need to ask yourself to find the Mm -hmm. right answer and to sort of, you know, just go move ahead in life and, you know, keep learning, keep growing. Yes, I agree with you.
Um, okay, so here I have another question for you. Um, that you know we have been talking about emotional intelligence, and we have been talking about how some people have it, and some people can you know some people who don't have it, they can sort of work on it. So, are there any exercises or what is the right way for someone to start working on their emotional intelligence? It's by going to an expert because you can't do this by yourself, especially when okay. you're, especially when you're, you know, in a position where you, okay, you're in a place to learn, right? And what's the greatest way to learn? It's, it's from people who can guide you in the right path, who have been right. there, who have studied it, who have practiced it, you know? And so that's why I began going to therapy since I was nine years old. I have learned so much from my mentors, you know, even things that they've taught me that I still carry with me today. And then I pass along to other to my other clients, you know, there's always something that you can learn, like I said, and so in order to develop that emotional intelligence, you may not even be aware of what where you need to start. So the first thing you need to do is to have that humility to be able to accept that, okay, I need help. I need Absolutely. guidance. I need guidance and f locate someone that you really connect with. And I say this all the time, even when it comes to therapy and counseling, it's so important to find somebody that you connect with. So find a mm -hmm. coach. And that's exactly what I found. A lot of people were curious about it. And that's why I wanted to do something bigger because you have those that are uneducated and ignorant about it. And those uh -huh. are the ones that need it the most. And then you have those that are looking to learn more about it, but just don't know where to go. And that is why right. I created this platform because I feel so strongly about this. I have devoted the past 26 years of my life experiencing, studying, and living this. I mean, I do this professionally on the side as well, you know, for my job at the university. And so uh -huh. that is why I created this platform to say, hey, for me, it's not about the money. It's about changing lives. You know, I don't care about where you're coming from, I want to be able to help you. So I, you know, I always tell my clients, anyone that reaches out to me that wants to end up working with me, I am I'm coming from a place of understanding. And then at the same time, coming from a business perspective, you know, I, I do have a lot of obligations. So I always make sure that I'm able to accommodate my clients in a way that is still conducive to them and being able to get value from me. And so that's something Absolutely. I also want to include that it is so important to seek that help. It is okay. Whether that you, whether you go to a coach, whether you go to a counselor, whether you go to a therapist, it is important for you to reach out to someone who is in the field because you definitely need that guidance. And, you know, we all need help sometimes. And that's what my life has taught yeah. me. You know, I, I never back to when I got kicked out of school, there was a lot of opportunities that I could have taken advantage of a lot of resources that would have prevented me from losing my financial aid, but I never asked. And my advisors never told me about the options. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I didn't know this existed. But then if I had just asked just one time and, you know, when I was appealing to get my financial aid back, I said, please, I didn't know about this. And that was their reason. They're like, no, we, we're not going to accept you right now because you could have done this and you didn't. And I said, well, I didn't know. And they said, well, you didn't reach out. And they were right. I didn't reach out. I didn't reach out. So how can I expect to have that change? You can say everything you want, but it's how you, it's your actions that make up, make up for it. You know, everybody wants to be part of the process or a part of the outcome, but nobody wants to be part of the process. You want to become right. this emotionally intelligent person. You want to become, you know, a healthy person who's able to have successful relationships and friendships in their lives, but you're not willing to do anything about it. You have to make, mm -hmm. put that, you know, you have to put action behind your desires and your thoughts. There has to be something that you are actively doing. Ask yourself, what am I doing 
to improve this? What am I doing to gain guidance on this? And uh-huh. that's going to a professional and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, that is, you know, I think that's one taboo that people need to sort of really work on. Like, at least, you know, when I talk about India, people are so judgmental about this thing. People are so, so, so judgmental about this thing that, you know, if you go to a counselor or if you try and find some help for your mental health, there's just so so much of judgment just floating around to, you know, okay, just come sit here. Let, let us, you know, talk about your mental health. Like, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So this is one taboo. This is one um issue that really needs to be addressed and i am so thankful and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why in our desi culture and brown culture in india pakistan bangladesh everywhere the reason why there's such a stigma on mental health is because it's tied in with culture and they see that Mm -hmm. as disrespect like no what your elders say for example has to be the truth you know and it's the, 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 I guess, like, the lack of open-mindedness to practice new things. It's because it's seen that, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. Everybody has been yeah. said that if you go to therapy, you're crazy. You must be crazy. And if you deal with anything, yeah. and it's, it's, it makes people even more scared to go to therapy because, or, men, or seek help for mental health because it's, like, they're already dealing with a bad situation. And then if they go to mental health therapy or seek any type of help, their community is going to be like, see, they are crazy. Now they're going to therapy. They say things like that. So right. the first person to really say, you know what, it takes one person to create that change. And Shruti, I think you're doing that for your country. I think you're doing that for India by creating Shruti Out Loud and creating this platform and doing what your due diligence to educate the world on mental health, you know, and it's going to it's going to take time, but it does start with one person yeah. at a time. And, you know, the more more India sees more people re- talking about this and becoming normalized, keep on keeping mm-hmm. on, because, of course, even if other people make fun of you, it's having that developing that self-confidence by saying I'm doing what's best for me. So what? You know, and that, again, comes from that self-awareness. It goes back to emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence helps you with having such a strong sense of yourself and your self-confidence that the situations around you yeah, you can feel upset by it, but they don't control you. And that's what it is. Yeah. You don't allow your emotions to control you. You control your emotions. And that's what emotional intelligence yeah. is. By continuing to, you know, who cares if you don't, if people are being, you know, judgmental about therapy. People were so judgmental about my, everything that I did in my life because everything was different than what everyone else was doing. I always made my own decisions for my life. And I was proud of the decisions I made, even though I would get made fun of for it or people would try to make me feel bad for it. At the end of the day, I knew what I was doing was best for me, and I had a strong sense of myself, so it didn't matter what anybody else said. And literally, Shruti, six, seven years later, I have heard back from every single person that has ever done me wrong. I have received an apology, or mm-hmm. I have they have reached out to me in some, sh- some way, shape, or form. People that I never expected in a million years to reach back out to me, they have mm-hmm. been trying to reach back out to me since I created this platform, and... It's insane because it's I'm realizing I'm getting apologies from people I've never thought I would get apologies from. People that I have restraining orders on are reaching back out to me. And it's I'm so amazed at this because I'm like, wow, it's it's honestly shocking yeah. and also it makes me cry because I said, you know, I, I for years I thought I was the problem. For years I thought mm-hmm. I was the problem, but these people had manipulated me into believing that I was the cause of their destruction, you know, and right. their own wrongdoings. And then now, years later, 
when they see that I'm doing well, they're reaching back out to me. And, you know, I always say I forgive, but I don't forget. And these people have caused me a lot of harm in my life. And so I still have to come from a place of forgiveness. So that's what I'm struggling with, where I'm regular, I'm learning to let go. Yeah, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm happy. And these people are still telling me, you know, whatever they're telling me and everything that they said that I wouldn't do, they said I would be a failure, that I would never do this. I've had people tell me that you're never going to have, you're never going to get a guy to look at you, let alone marry you. I've had people say that to me because of my skin tone, because they called me ugly. They said, you're never going to get married. Nobody would ever look at you. You know, your skin looks burnt. Like the craziest things I've been called slave girl. And I'm just like, okay, that's so ignorant, but okay. Yeah. 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 You know, I've been called everything in every language you can imagine in every, every name of the book. You know, I've been there. And then even being a Muslim woman, I, I, I have struggled with religion myself. I didn't even believe in religion for a couple of years because of everything I went through. But then my challenges brought me back to religion. You know, that's just my own beliefs is because life had taught me that, you know, my original beliefs and morals and values that I grew up with, that's what gave me the strength Mm -hmm. along with the role models in my life, like my mom. And so it, it was very important for me to understand that, hey, Yes, I'm like, for example, I know I, I, a lot of Muslims do cover a lot more um, constrictly, I should say, you know, they do cover their for entire face, they only have their hands and face showing. And ever right. since I started wearing like my turban, I've been getting some backlash from my own Muslim community saying like, you know, she's a fake Muslim, she's not wearing her hijab mm-hmm. properly, she's not wearing her scarf properly, her hair is showing, her neck is showing. But what I say is I'm on my own journey and I've never felt more close with God and I don't feel like I need to ever explain that to anyone because that's my own journey that I'm going through. And I am so proud of myself because I truly do embody who I am and the way I decide to do it is up to me and that's between me and God. And, you know, like I said, like I said, I, I still am me and that bothers people because even seeing that discrimination, seeing the negative feedback commentary and the judgments, I still continue being me no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, I will still continue being truthful and honest and real. And I've had people say, Oh yeah, you now you're using everything you went through, you know, you're victimizing yourself. No, I'm sharing my truth. So I hope that it can help other people. I will continue speaking my truth, but there's no point in explaining yourself to people who are committed to misunderstanding you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So true. So true. You know, you have said it like right, right on point. <laughs> yes. I have to say this. Yeah. Yes. They will, so, they will reason. They will always find a reason to pull you down. They'll always find a reason to say yes. that you are wrong. Yes. And there is nothing that you can say to sort of, you know, be on the same page with them. So absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, um, all right. So before I let you go, I have to ask you that, you know, what is the best way for people to reach you for coaching, for any help that they might be looking for? What is the best way to connect with you or, you know, book a session with you? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked, Shruti. I I definitely want to let everyone know Um the best way to contact me is definitely through my Instagram or through my email, which is on my Instagram. My Instagram bio does have the link to book a session with me if you are interested. I do now provide a free 15-minute call to determine how I can help you out and really explain you know, 
a chance for you to tell me how what you're dealing with and how I can provide you value because I think it's worth spending that time and in, in making sure that we're a good fit and I don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, and so I offer that free 15 minute session and the link is in my bio. The website is in my bio. So Instagram is definitely the best way to contact me. And I do make accommodations for all my clients. So I am very, very welcoming to anyone and everyone. And just know that my mission is to put the human back in humanity and to help everyone blossom from their battles and turn their messes into messages and become the best version of yourself so you can reach ultimate success in your life. And so definitely, you know, Instagram is the best way to get in contact with me. Wow, I absolutely love that line where you said, you know, you are on a mission to put the uh, what what the human exactly? back in humanity, the human yeah, back in humanity. Yeah. I yes. love that. I love that line. Thank you. Thank you so much. I actually stay tuned. You guys are hearing it here first. It's it's I have a little project that's going to be coming out about that. So, stay tuned. Wow. I'm so looking forward to it and thank you once again for, you know, taking out these absolutely the greatest minutes of my life i have to say this you know this oh conversation. you're so sweet so, you're so yeah. sweet and you know please feel free to refer to me by my name you know uh, my name is tarmim again i am known uh-huh. as empathy queen i can be reached on instagram through um just searching up my name empathy queen and please you guys need to really shower shruti with some love because what she is doing <laughs> is incredible she is highlighting the space to have so many voices heard and she's bringing together the entire world and so Shruti I am so grateful and I'm so honored to you for really giving me this time you know I know you mentioned that these are some of the great minutes of your life they're some of the great greatest of mine and I've never really met anybody as kind and pure as you and so I just wanted to say thank you thank you so much for humbling me with your presence and just giving me this opportunity i'm so grateful to you i am honestly you know i have to thank you for answering all the questions that just honestly you know i had the list of questions ready but most of the questions i did not really ask because this conversation was going in such a good flow and whatever just you know kept coming to my head that okay you know i need to ask this i just asked it and I am so thankful that you know you just went ahead with all those questions and answered them all. So thank you once again for being a part of this and thank you for taking out time for this and I am so grateful that you know whatever you know brought together like you know sort of in the that we connected and yeah let's go together. Absolutely. You're you're Sorry. most welcome. You're most welcome. Definitely stay in touch. Um, my DMs are open for you all the time. Call me anytime. My DMs are also open for all of all of the listeners here. Do not hesitate to reach out. I don't ever come from a place of judgment. I'm all about spreading love, compassion, and understanding. So please do not hesitate to reach out. And Shruti, you as well. This has been so much fun. I've had so much fun with you doing these sessions, doing the Instagram Live. Like I said, uh-huh. you are a blessing. You are an Instagram blessing. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> same. I, I feel the same way for you. And on that note, you know, I will let you uh, have your weekend to yourself and have a beautiful, beautiful weekend. Have a beautiful Saturday and have a brilliantly great Sunday. Thank you so much, honey. Thank you so much. I wish you an abundance of love, an abundance of courage and the abundance of light to continue spreading your wisdom. So please continue doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. You All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe.